This is Michelle Weidenbenner with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you're the mom of an addicted loved one, I understand. It's a difficult, difficult journey. One of the most important things you can do is surround yourself with support. And that's what I try to provide for you, support and hope. You can join our private Facebook group, Moms Letting Go. And you can um, find my courses at momslettinggo.teachable.com. In the courses, you will learn more about understanding addiction, understanding what's happening to your child, the pathways that lead to addiction, and how to stop your obsessive thoughts. And if you haven't downloaded the book, Moms Letting Go, you can find that at momslettinggo.com, free ebook download. So thank you for coming, and I hope that you enjoy this show. And if so, leave us a review so other moms like you can discover us too. God bless. Hi, this is Michelle with Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. If you're here today, it's probably because you are the mom of an addicted loved one. And I understand it's a difficult journey. Today, I have for our interview, Nancy Kling. She is the founder of Behavior Plus, and she is also a behavior autism specialist advanced certified trainer of the nurtured heart approach and she is going to um, share some behavioral things with us today because many of you moms are like me you're raising grandchildren too and so I asked I met Nancy and instantly loved her because she's just so warm and I love her little Texas Southern accent. But um, Nancy, welcome, welcome to the show and thanks for coming. Thank you very much, I'm excited to be here. I love talking about behavior and I love, love, love teaching moms how to get their power back. I love empowering parents. Oh, that's so helpful. One of my biggest things that I like to do. And it shows, it shows because you're so passionate about it. But don't you just love her Southern accent? Yeah. (laughs) I I want one of those someday. It's it's so much better than it used to be. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Wait, I'm sure there's more to that story. So how, how long have you been a behavioral specialist? And is that, is that what you call yourself mostly? Yes, I, I call myself a behavior specialist. Um, and there are a lot of different things that, the different titles that people use, but um, I call behavior specialist rather than behavior therapist because um, a lot of people, they expect a therapist to do therapy, you know, and there are different kinds of therapy, like occupational therapy, but when you're a behavior person, they expect you to do therapy therapy, and that's not what I do. <laughs> I really, I'm, I teach. I understand behavior. I know how behavior works. And so I teach people how to use those behavior principles so that um, you can make the changes that you want to do. And I've been doing this for, I was was counting up yesterday, in fact, it's like 28 years. It's been 28 years. And it's like, holy smokes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. A long time. time. 
<laughs> I get it. You know what? I, I forgot to share some of your bio here. And I know, I know I, this is so super important because we're going to talk about this later. But Nancy wrote a book called The Cup Kid. Cup, like something you drink out of the cup yeah. kid. Parenting a child with meltdowns. And also um, she um, designed a workbook, I'm a Cup Kid. She's worked with children with challenging behaviors, like you said, for 28 years, since 1992. She loves teaching parents and children's, or par teachers, how to become the agent of change for their children. I love that, agent of change. Utilizing her strong behavioral training experience and the nurtured heart approach, she can help you strengthen your relationship with your grandchildren, improve their behavior, and restore the peace and joy you desire. Yeah. What a promise. Like, woohoo, okay. Yeah. Hurry up, hurry up and help me because <laughs> I'm one of those moms raising these grandchildren again, right? So, but, um, yeah. And, and when I read that about Nancy, I was like, wow, I need to. Um, I, I, I really want to talk to her. So what, like what, let's go back in time. What prompted you to go into this field? Oh gosh. Um, I couldn't find my calling for a long time. I was like high school and that sort of stuff, real heavy into music and art and felt like I wanted to do something in that area. So I actually majored in art my first year in college and found out real quickly, I, I don't like doing that on command. <laughs> yeah. I don't like every Monday, Tuesday, and Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from eight to 10 to yeah. draw and every Tuesday and Thursday from, you know, nine 30 to 11 paint. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of burned out with that. So, um, tried to figure out what else I wanted to do. Wound up with a business degree, a management degree. Um, and that, that was fine, but I, I just couldn't, I went, my, finally, I mean, after doing a whole lot of different things, my resume is just like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I worked as a welder's helper for a while. I mean, I've wow. done a lot of it. Well, I couldn't get a job. I had a business degree, a oh. management degree. Nobody would hire me because I didn't have any experience as a business manager, right? You know, and I needed right. to pay rent. And so I worked as a welder's helper. Yep. It was pretty interesting. Um, but anyway, it, sh it shaped who you are today. And it's <laughs> interesting when, when you're our age and you land in that profession, you're like, yep, this is where I was supposed to be all the time. I just, yeah. it just took me a while to find it. Yes. And um, it's a whole nother subject, but like so many kids that graduate from college think that they're just going to start working the career of their life. And they forget that, no, it's kind of, you know, a discovery process. So yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. in my thirties I went back to school. I I quit. I'd been working at in the accounting department for a big utility company. And they decided they were going to transfer my department downtown, which meant an hour's drive each oh. way in Houston traffic, which is nearly no a guarantee. Way. It's not going to be an hour. It's going to be at the very minimum an hour. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So I quit school. I mean, I quit work. Went back to school got a master's degree in clinical psychology. Oh, and one of the classes that I had to take, a prerequisite class I had to take was called learning principles. And it was all about behavior. And I fell in love with that. I oh. loved doing that. And so um, that's what I started doing. And I eventually wound up working in schools, working with kids that had 
challenging behaviors. And, but even then I'm still was thinking, you know, the tricks to fixing kids is fixing moms. Yeah. Or dads. Yeah. And both. And fixing (laughs) teachers. Yes. The adults. Yeah. The adults. You you can get the adults to do what they need to do. The kids will come in, they'll get in line. It'll be all right. You know? So, um, so that was when I really started focusing on empowering first teachers to do whatever, and then later parents. And then that's, that's still what I do a lot of. And that's what we do at Behavior Plus, which is my, um, the company that I have. So, yeah. So, so what's the most rewarding part of what you do? Uh, best part is when the teachers or the mom and dad come back and say, it's working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, celebrate. <laughs> it's working. It's like, I told you it would. You know, if you use behavior principles correctly, they will work. Yeah. They will work. And so, I mean, that's, that's the best thing. And to see the relief for them because a lot of times when I when parents first come to me a lot of times they're feeling pretty beat up and hopeless I've had several parents say I am a hostage my kids are holding me hostage and it's like okay you know what it's fixable it's fixable you give them hope Oh, yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, so here's what we need to do. You know, we start working with, with stuff, whatever right. you know, is going on, using those behavior principles. But, but that's, that's the most fun most to rewarding. me. It's when they start seeing that they can do it. It's right. like, you know, because truth, truthfully, usually when people call me, they want to drop their kids off with me for an hour, <laughs> right, for me to fix them. And I'm like, right. so here's, here's the deal. No. <laughs> when they're with when they're with me, they're gonna be fine. One on one with the grown up who's giving them all kinds of attention and being nice and kind and supportive and encouraging, they're gonna do great. That's not where they have a problem. Yeah. So I'll have a good time with your kid. They'll go back home. You'll have the same kid that you brought to me, right? Yeah. But if I can teach you what to do, yeah, you're gonna be there all day every day with them. I'm going to see them once a week. Do you know how long it will take for me to change their habits, seeing them an hour a week? That's crazy. Right. So it's a whole lot cheaper yeah. and it's a whole lot faster yeah. and a whole lot better guaranteed to work long time if I just teach you what to do. When, when I, our kids were really little and my mom would come visit, I would leave and then I'd come back or whatever. And she would say, your kids are fine for me. I don't know what it is, but as soon as you come back, they're horrible. Like, you know, and so I'd be like, gee, mom, thanks. <laughs> like, how is that helpful? Right. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. Um, so that makes total sense. Yeah. I, and I can see why you continue to do what you do because of that rewarding feeling um, when it's intrinsic, you know, when you can feel like you're doing something to help somebody through a hardship and actually find success then it's like, it's like you, you're first at the finish line, you know, like you won. I just would love that. Yeah. It's just, it's it's fun to send, stand back and celebrate somebody else's success, you know, and know that I helped with that. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's the most difficult part then of behavior modification? Like what, what, for, for any grandmas listening right now or moms, you know, what, what's the most difficult and, um, how can you help them bring them hope just in a general sense? I think there are two things that I think 
cause the biggest problem. The first one is that most people don't really have a good, clear understanding and working knowledge of how behavior principles work. I mean, we've all heard, you know, catch them being good and, you know, ignore the small stuff, you know, if it was that easy. Yeah. I mean, you know, seriously, you know, and that is sort of what you do, but you really have to understand what that means and, and how to do that. And, you know, I have a mom, it's like, I got a kid that's beating the crud out of me and you want me to ignore that? No, I don't. Yeah. I want you to do something that's going to get his attention. Right. You know I mean? But people have, all, and there's just so much, so many people out there telling you things to do. And most of that stuff works with kids that are mild and meek mannered and, right. you know, everything works with them. They're easy <laughs> kids, right? Yeah. But intense kids, and I really do think a lot of our kids that become addicted are intense kids. Yeah. That stuff can work with them. Yeah. What you have, matter of fact, that stuff is going to make it worse. But you have to really understand how behavior works. And what I would like to do, Michelle, is if anybody that's listening to this will send me an email. Okay. I am going to write up Behavior Principles Made Simple. <laughs> it awesome. may not be called that. But I will write up, here are the, the components, here are the pieces that you need to know what they are and how they go together. And here's how you use them to change behaviors. And I, I will write that up and send them. Y'all send me something, send me an email, tell me that you listened to Michelle's podcast and heard me there and I will send you that oh, back. Thank you so much. So that's, is that Nancy Kling at B? Just no. Nancy. Just oh, that's Nancy. right. Nancy, Nancy at behaviorplus.com. Okay, Nancy at behaviorplus.com. And I'll, I'll include that in the show notes too when I, when I love this. Behavior. That'd be great. So that's, that's one of the biggest, the biggest problems. And the other problem is the most important thing in changing behavior is being consistent. Yeah. And that piece is hard. Yeah. Especially if like um, your spouse disagrees or you disagree with your spouse um, and it's not consistent, you know, then the child knows how to play. Probably, I'm guessing. What you know what's yeah. interesting is what when you were talking about people don't know. Like, there's so many different oh ideas out there on behavior modification. And when I was raising our kids, when Ryan, our oldest, was younger, now he's 38. Or, well, he'll be 39 next month. But so this was quite a while ago. I would go to the library and I would read all these books, right? And I would read so much that I would so be confused that I couldn't be consistent with anything because I was trying this and then trying that. And I'll never forget, he does not remember saying this to me, but I will never forget, he was a teenager and he said, you don't even know how to be a mom. You got to read all those books. <laughs> And you, know and why, like, you know why he said that to you? No, tell me. Because he knew that would be a kick in the gut oh, for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because, but, because sensitive people know other people's soft spots. Oh, totally. And that's where they go. I mean, and many of our kids, and I, I definitely think this is true a lot with, the, with kids that are caught up in addiction. They are looking for 
up close and personal time. And if you parent like most people parent, Mm -hmm. the only time we give really good, juicy, energetic, up close and personal time is when our kids are doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I, I, so our youngest here is 10 and she will just be having a really rough day. Not very often because I have some, these girls are really good. But, um, you know, she'll cry about everything. She seems irritable. She seems maybe a little angry. And I'll look at her and I'll say, Addie, do you need some Mimi time? Get over here and sit in my lap. And I'll just hold her and love her and play with her hair or scratch her back. And I'll, I'll go back into maybe a story of when she was little. Or, you know, just, and, and sometimes it only takes... I don't even know if it's five minutes, but it's, it's for me to say, you matter to me. I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and I'm just going to make you a priority. Right. And then her sister who's 15 and taller than me (laughs) will just glare. Right. And I'll be like, okay, come on. Now it's your turn. And she does, she gets in my lap. I mean, so I get what you're saying. Sometimes you know, especially me, because I try to do way too many things in a day. I have to say, Michelle, if they're misbehaving or, you know, if they're acting a little off, maybe, you know, I ask myself, have you spent enough time one-on-one with just that person today or this week or whatever? But anyway, so it's interesting you say that. So yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big, big thing. And so and especially parents that are really, really busy. Because kids will try to get your attention and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know. I'm yeah. Busy, I'm busy. But if they kick the dog, oh. all of a sudden you're not too busy for them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh my, it's not they funny. could do 40 <laughs> things that are good and you're too busy to pay attention. But as soon as they do a bad enough thing, now you have plenty of time. You drop whatever you're doing and you go and you give them lots of attention. Oh, it's so true. And, and it's not just attention. I mean, there's more to it than that. But that's, that's, that's kind of the crux. That kind of gives you an idea of, yeah. of what the deal is. And that consistency piece, I mean, nobody's going to be 100% consistent. Yeah. But the more consistent you can be, the faster it works. Right. So when you hear yourself saying, if you do that one more time, I'm going to, you know well, you're not being consistent. And right? I see that really works with, our addicted loved ones too. I mean, even though they're adults, we will say, well, if you do X, Y, or Z, I'm not going to do this, or I am going to do this. And guess what? Every day I have a mom tell me she can't follow through because she's worried her child will it's overdose. Hard. Yes. Yes. Her child will overdose. They'll end up in jail or, you know, they'll lose their car, but how are they going to get to their job then? Then I'm going to have to do it. Like, so it, you know, they, they get pinned in these positions, these places where they can't follow through with the consequences. So when I ask them, so, so why didn't you follow through? You know, I, I can't do it for them. And I will never, this is just something I want to say, I never tell a mom what to do because we, I don't know what their situations are. And a mom has to feel comfortable you know, in her situation doing what she wants to do. But 
but it is those consequences are so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a story that you can share with us? Um, maybe when a child had a certain behavior and the parents turned it around, like you were saying, like one of your moments that was, you know, that keeps you going because they do something right. Like what was the child doing and, and how did that parent turn it around? Well, first off, it's nearly never a, a behavior. <laughs> it's almost always a whole bunch of behavior. It's just like, you know, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a okay. hard thing to, yeah. to think I, about, but, 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 this, but still, you know, I've had parents, one of my favorite stories, I, I do parenting classes um, using the nurtured heart approach. And one of my parents came in one time, second class, this is like, it's a, it's a five session thing, right? So second class, he comes in and he said, I haven't screamed at my kids at all this week. Wow. He said, and I am really a screamer. He said, that's how I get their attention. <gasps> and my wife hates that. And that's why she made us come to this so that I would learn how to do something besides scream. He said, so this, he was an Italian guy, just very emotional. He said, oh. so this is a huge deal. I've had a whole week without screaming. Oh, the best part is I haven't needed to scream at them. Oh, I got chills. Isn't that just, oh my gosh. Isn't that yeah. awesome? I mean, I yeah. just, just things like that. You know, I've had parents tell me it's like, we were able to take the kids and go out to the restaurant and eat. Wow. We yeah. haven't done that in years. Yeah. How rewarding. I mean, it's sure. just so and I love that people tell that parents tell you too, because, you know, if they don't tell you, you don't even realize that you're doing good or how well they're doing. And I'm sure you applaud them too, because oh yeah, change is always tough. You know, when and you're seeing they're the ones that are making the change. Right. Yeah. So I do get to applaud them. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love it. So. Let's see, you know, um, or you're known for the cup kid method. And so obviously I said that you wrote the book. Do you want to um, just talk, tell us just briefly what that is? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, when I was working in the schools, you know, if you're, if you're a behavior specialist, they call it the ABCs of behavior. So A is the antecedent. This is what happens before the behavior. Okay. Oh. Then you have the behavior. That's your B. And then the C is the consequences. What happened after that behavior? And so you're supposed to look for those three things and see, okay, so you know what the behavior is because they've told you, you know, they spent 30 minutes telling you all the behaviors this kid has. So you're supposed to see what came before that behavior that kind of made that behavior happen. And then what's happening after that behavior that makes it, you know, that's rewarding to them or whatever. Well, I had a bunch of kids that that nice, neat little pattern wasn't working for. You know, today when they had their tantrum, you know, it was because they had a math test and they'd forgotten about it. Okay. Two weeks ago when they had the tantrum, it was because somebody said they didn't like the shirt they were wearing. You know, and the mm. two days later when they had their tantrum, you know, it was something different all the time. So I'm like, right. what the heck is going on with all these kids? And so, and I had three or four kind of at the same time that were, I was really struggling with, they were having some significant behaviors and 
um, I was having a hard time getting my brain around what is going on that's setting that up, what's causing that and what's making them continue to have these big meltdowns. Um, and this one particular little boy that I was working with, he was in the second grade and his mom and dad were, were tough. Um, this little guy was smart and we were trying to get them to let us take him out of the classroom for about 15 minutes in the morning and about 15 in the afternoon. Cause I really felt like he was just getting overstimulated. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he just couldn't handle it anymore. And so um, they were not in favor of that at all because they didn't want him missing the instruction and whatever. So anyway, I'm, I'm having yet another meeting with the parents and I'm talking to the mom and I said, you know, I can watch him and just see him fill up. And when he gets mm -hmm. full, runs over mm -hmm. and he hurts somebody. Yeah. I'm like, it's just like watching somebody pour something in a cup and that cup running over. And when I said that about the cup, her eyes got big open and her mouth got big open. And she's like, I have seen that look on him. I know what you're talking about. So oh. that kind of started me thinking about the cup and how that worked and what's going on. So I believe we all have a cup in us someplace. Mm -hmm. And the totally. things that make us mad or upset or scare us or disappointed or stressed or whatever stuff goes in that cup. Mm -hmm. Usually, as grown ups, you know, as we're getting older and we're growing up, we learn to know okay, my cup is getting too full and I need to step away and go do something else for a while or I'm fixing to snatch somebody ball headed, right? <laughs> yeah. And we do that. We, <laughs> We move away and we, you know, chill out some, right? We empty our cup somehow or another. Well, a lot of these kids don't have that skill. No. Stuff is going in their cups. Their cup's filling up. They don't know their stuff's going in their cup. They don't know their cup's filling up. They don't know how no. to get stuff out of their cup, right? So we're just having all these meltdowns. So I really started working with that and being very deliberate about that and working with the teachers and working with the parents about, let's figure out what are the cup fillers for this kid? Yes. You know, we need a list. Oh, I love and we it. Need this. And, and how, how does he empty his cup? When you leave him alone, you take the work away, you take the demands off, and you just let him do whatever he wants to do. What does he go do? Because whatever those things are that he goes to do, that's emptying his cup. Right. So we need wow. to be smart enough to empty his cup before it runs over. Oh, that is so amazing. And it's visual. Like, I love the metaphor, right? Um, well, yeah. and it gives you a language too, and, and you teach it to kids, and kids will say that that's going in my cup. Okay, thank you for letting me know. We're going to add that wow. to the list, right? Yeah. I mean, I've I've taught this to to five year olds, oh, and they can tell me things that go in their cup. Now they can't tell me as big a list as Mama could tell me. Yeah. <laughs> could tell me right, but they knew some things that went in their list, and they could tell me yeah. some things that um, emptied their cup. And so then I work with the, with the kid if they're old enough, and, but in conjunction with the grown-ups, teachers or parents or sometimes all of the above, to help them try to figure out mm. how to, number one, let's gather this information. What are their cup fillers? What are their emptiers? And number two, how can we use that information to start emptying that cup before it runs over? Love it. Love it. So, love and it. And that's what turned into the, the book and then later the workbook. The difference in those two, the workbook is from the child's point of view. Oh, 
So he talks to this little little boy, a little cup kid named Gary that learns, figures out that he's a cup kid and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a, it's not a child's book, but it's, I mean, it's not, kids don't have um, usually enough introspective, you know, right. self-reflective sure. things to do this by themselves, but um, it's, it would be a more fun story for them to read and work through and that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, and it probably helps, it probably helps the parent and educators, you know, see it from the child's point of view too. Um, our, our girls were taught the red, green, and yellow lights mm -hmm. or zones, mm -hmm. right? But I think um, what's really hard is the younger one, I'll say, oh, you just went into red zone. Like, did you notice that? What happened in the yellow zone? Like, I don't know. So I can see like that, that, that is a little too complicated. I feel like for her to grasp at this point, I think her older sister might. So I like the cup kid. So those of you who are listening, just so you know, I asked Nancy to come on and do a special call with us um, in our Moms Letting Go group, our private group. And she's going to come in and we're going to share that little um, segment on the cup kid method. And it's probably going to be about 45 minutes to an hour. And so if you're interested, make sure that um, you mark your calendars. It's for September 11th. That's a Friday uh, from two o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And I will be sharing this in the group too, so that if you can't make that time, some people have already signed up and will be in the meeting with us. But for those who can't, they're going, it's going to be just right on the page in the group too. So hopefully others can catch that too. Um, so let's see. So I guess what, one more question. What is your advice for grandparents raising grandchildren? Oh my goodness. That is such a huge question. <laughs> why, why is it in yes, that's another hour talk right there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or, or two but, or three. <laughs> why is it important that grands um, find parenting solutions? I think one of the, the hardest things, and I, I have worked with a lot of grandparents that are raising their kids, um, and almost always because their children, the, the kids' parents are addicted to something and not capable of taking care of the, the kids, so the grandparents have stepped up. Um, but I, I think going from being the grandparent to being the parent is a hard shift. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to that being consistent that we were talking about a while ago. Um, children need boundaries. They need to know what the limits are. Yeah. And so yeah. when we tell them, here's the limit, we have to hold it there. They feel safe in that space. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so I think that's, that would be part of my advice is be really careful. If I tell parents all the time, if your limit is right here, don't say it's over here. Yeah. You know, when you say it's here, that's where you have to keep it. Yeah. Because kids are going to come and they're going to push. And if but, that limit moves, then they're like, they're going to keep pushing until it doesn't move anymore. So put it where you're not going to let it move to start with. So many times I think that line um, where that limit is, when the mom 
allows it to go past that, there's a deeper root cause for her to er, let that bend. And that deeper root cause can be very complicated. Right. And sometimes I think that they don't even realize that in their subconscious, there's a reason. I used to, I, I, I know for me, like when my, my mom had six kids by the time she was 28. So she ran a very tight ship and everything was organized and there were no, you know, it, 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 when she would get mad, we wouldn't even know why half the time. Like we wouldn't even talk about it. And so I was always like, I don't want to be that kind of mom, right? And so I would probably bend on those limits because I was confusing that feeling of being a child. That, that feeling was probably something that I just needed her to put me in her lap and, and give me some attention, right? But I viewed that as, oh, you know, she's just so strict. I'm not going to be like that. But then it creates all that waffling voila, and then you have behavioral problems. But anyway, that's kind of my own yeah. thing. But yeah. I did want to point out that oftentimes, and that's where I feel like our moms need to do the work. Why can't you set those limits? What is inhibiting you? And where, what is that feeling right in you that is stopping you? Where do you feel like you're not measuring up? Or why do you think that's a bad thing to set that limit? So that's and, a whole other topic. And two, to realize a lot of times parents and moms are usually more guilty of this than dads, but a lot of times parents feel like, you know, I just, I'm just going to cut them some slack. I'm just going to cut them some slack. Yes. And you think you're doing it to be nice, but kids don't take it as you being nice. Kids see it as, Oh, that rule wasn't really a rule. So I don't have to pay attention to that anymore. And then the next time you try to hold firm, they now have the history of, no, if I push, yeah. she's going to give in. And right. so you set up this tug of war. It makes it more confusing for the kids. Right. What's, the, what's best for the kids? And that's where you have to just keep going. What's best for the kids? Right. What's yep. best for the kids is that you say, here is my limit. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be my limit tomorrow. And it's going to be my limit two weeks from now. And it's going to be my limit when we have company. It's going to be my limit when I feel bad. It's going to be my limit when you feel bad. This is the limit. Right. Yes. And, then, and then we just have to be more stubborn than they are. <laughs> that's, right. a big, that's a big piece. Uh, that's, that's where it gets really hard, especially when you're busy and you yeah. don't want to talk about it anymore. So, but a couple of other things I want to sure. say before we wind up too much here. You know, having those clear expectations and letting the kids know and being consistent, that's really important. But you want to be connecting with your kids and talking to them, acknowledging them. Kids do so many things that are great. I know. So many things that you're so happy that they did. Common, ordinary things. I mean, do they get up and get out of bed and get their clothes on without having a knockdown fight? If they do, you could celebrate that. You know, say, I thank you so much for getting up and getting your clothes on. And your older kids, like your kids, the age of your grandkids, Michelle, may go, I do this every day. <laughs> and then you can say, yes, and I am so grateful. Yeah. 
you know what? There are kids who don't do this every day and their day and their mom's day starts off with a World War III because they won't get out of bed and get dressed. So I am so thankful you do. Right. Right. And when you start looking at that sort of stuff, there is so much to talk to the kids about that. I really appreciate you doing this. Right. And then when they mess up and they do the wrong thing, correct it and then move on. Right. Don't, if you know, they know they're not supposed to be doing that. There's not a reason for you to tell them again. No. Yeah. They know it already. Very interesting. I, I I had a call from a mom today whose daughter was in recovery for over a year and she relapsed and it was the kind of the same thing so talk to me about her what's she doing oh she has a full-time job how many hours oh 40 hours a week and oh she just got a raise and what else is she doing well and I said okay so you know how many times have you gone off your diet no I know this is more serious but here's the thing she knows she's ashamed she regrets but she also knows the program so get back into the program help her help herself find you know what that is and go there set the limits and keep noticing all the good things that are she's you know baby steps that are growing into these big steps right but it, it's so interesting because even though we're talking like 20 years difference in ages the mechanics are behavior so is behavior yeah behavior is behavior, behavior. yep yeah. and what happens when you start noticing those little things the child's self-esteem starts to grow yeah. or the adult's self-esteem starts to grow. Their right. confidence in themselves grows. Yes. They don't realize they're doing 150 good things either. No. Nobody's do. ever mentioned them. They're not aware of them. No. When you start calling them out and noticing out loud what they're doing, saying something about it, then they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's doing that. Yeah. You know, you know what else? It comes up, shoulders go back, you know, feels good. And you know, it's even, I find, I love to do this because we all have gifts, right? We're all gifted. You know, we, we were born, created with these gifts, right? But yet, because we live with ourselves, half the time we don't even see them, right? Mm-hmm. And so with a 10-year-old, I'm like, Addie, do you realize that how you relate to other people and you speak to them is such a gift. And most kids your age can't even do that. And she's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And so it's stopping to notice how their uniqueness is um, just specific to them. And what that does is it helps them be more aware of, oh yeah, I guess I do do that. I guess I am gifted in that. And I, I was taking it for granted because so-and-so doesn't do that. And that girl doesn't do that. And so it's, it's even taking it a little bit farther. Now I, I don't like praise them and do all this stuff. I just notice it. I don't yes. think it a really big deal. I just compliment them on that. Right. So yeah, you need to tell them what I, what I tell parents all the time is give them facts. Okay. They don't need a lot of praise no. because that's your opinion. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, you're the most beautiful thing in the world. No. Yeah. That's an opinion. And you're my mom and you're supposed to say that. Right. Or you're my yeah. grandma and you're supposed to, right? Okay. Give them facts. 
Uh, oh, so like statistics, maybe even? Well, or no, it's just like when you were talking to your friend just now, Addie, mm -hmm. I was noticing how that conversation went. You were so carefully listening to her. And yeah. I mean, you were, you were just so present there with listening with her that I'm sure she yeah. felt that. And that's really a gift. That's a fact about, you know, if, right. if that were true about Eddie, and I don't know if it is or not, if that's what you're referring yeah. to, but yeah. just say what you see, tell them what's right. true about what they're doing. They will know it's a compliment. You don't have to say, Oh gosh, this is, you're good at this. You know, if you yeah. just notice it and be specific like, about what you, that was. Yeah. When you say, I need you to turn off the TV and come set the table and they turn off the TV and just like, you know, wow. Well done. I so appreciate that you turn the television off. Yeah. You didn't have to, no. you could have kept sitting there and let me tell you four or five more times, but you didn't, you got up the first time and turned it off and came in here to help. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And I noticed, I took time to notice. Just I very sincere. If you're, if you're blowing smoke, kids can spot oh, yeah. that a mile away. So you just have to tell them the truth. Yep. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Nancy is also going to be doing a workshop with me for a couple hours. So also mark your calendar for October 3rd. It's a Saturday. We decided to do that on a Saturday, hoping some working grandmas could maybe attend um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time till noon, October 3rd. Um, you can go to Eventbrite. Um, that's kind of a Oh, a platform where you can purchase tickets or whatever. And if you go to Eventbrite and just type in Parenting Grandchildren, we should come up. But the workshop is called Parenting Grandchildren, How to Fertilize Positive Behaviors Without Killing Our Children's Spirits. Yep. Okay. And, and if you are not a grandmother raising grandparents, Great grandchildren, this will work with your kids as well. Your grown sure. kids. I mean, so this will work on your husband. <laughs> it'll work on neighbors. It'll work on coworkers. You know, behaviors, behavior. So, yeah, good point. Feel, yeah. feel free to feel free to sign up and come spend time with us, even if you're not raising your grandkids. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to learning more. Um, from you too. Yes, moms, I'm doing this for you, but you know what? I'm going to learn from Nancy and I'm looking forward to it because I, I love to learn. I feel like I, I will continue to learn till the day I die because, you know, that's just, it keeps me, it keeps me young. And especially now, like in addiction and in families, it, we're so nervous about stopping the cycle, right? Because you hear all the time that the addiction cycle continues in families and generations. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> we're not gonna let that happen, right? And so I am very determined to, to be the best parent I can be. Yes, it's different than a grandma because I can't just spoil and give them whatever they want, but it's also a blessing because I get to see the, their transformation, right? From my efforts, kind of like Nancy does, right? Yeah. So, but um, anyway, thank you for joining us today. I hope you've um, gotten something out of our little podcast. Is there any final words that Nancy, you would like to share? I don't think so. Other than just 
well, let me say this, and I'll say this again in the workshop when we have it. Your energy is fertilizer. And I'm not talking about with little kids or big kids. I'm talking about with everybody. Your energy is fertilizer. And energy is what you say to them, the emotion you put into it, how close the nearness proximity that you are, all those kinds of things. It's your attention, but it's more than just attention. Your whole relationship, your whole presence, that is fertilizer. Be careful that you only put that on things you want to grow. Yeah. You've got a behavior you're trying to kill. Don't put a lot of fertilizer there. Right. Oh, I love. Yep. Love that analogy. Thank you. Especially after my book, I, my book, Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. I take the mom from a seed all the way to a blooming flower and how she ah. progresses. And if she can put her seed in the right environment to grow, how she can transform. So I love, I love your fertilizing yeah. part yeah. of that too. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. And oh, uh, thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed this very much. All right, moms, stay tuned and God bless. Thanks for listening.